Talks. We welcome you to the Truth Simply Put, our broadcast and teaching series at the Basilea Commission. You're about to receive God's unadulterated word, brought to you by Pastor Alexander Victor. Challenging, uplifting, and provoking you to new dimensions in your kingdom walk. And now, today's message. Okay, there's just one more argument I believe that's left, which is the continued sin argument, right? And that argument is that your sins as as an unbeliever are forgiven, but your sins after you believe need to be addressed as your journey with God progresses or else. Too, too little, too little, too little. I repeat, as a believer, you will never be judged for your sins. In case that's breaking news for somebody, we need to answer that. And the answer, the reason why is because all your sins were removed. None escaped. None, none, none escaped. All your sins were removed. We enjoyed the perpetual forgiveness of sins. Can we all say that together? We enjoy the perpetual forgiveness of sin. Say one more time. We enjoy the perpetual forgiveness of sins. Ephesians 1 and 7, Colossians 1 and 14. Ephesians 1 and 7, in whom we have, right? Redemption through his blood. The forgiveness in whom we have, right? We have. Redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. Colossians 1 and 14 repeats the exact same words. Colossians 1, 14. In whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. So I have the perpetual forgiveness of sins. I wrote here, the good news therefore is for the perfected believer whose earthly existence is still undergoing sanctification. Hebrews 10, 14. For by one sacrifice forever, he has perfected those who are being, present continuous, sanctified. So for the perfected believer who is, whose earthly existence is still undergoing the process of sanctification, there is the propitiation, according to 1 John, for every wrongdoing committed. It's part of your forgiveness and sanctification process. 1 John 2, 1 and 2. My little children, these things are right to you, so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins... We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. See verse 2. And he himself is the propitiation for our sins. But look at that. And not for ours only. So in my journey of sanctification, he is my evergreen propitiation. In my journey of sanctification, he's my evergreen propitiation. Doesn't wax cold. I wrote here why God factored all of your sins in when he chose to save you. When he chose to forgive you and when he chose to call you son. Ephesians 1, 3 and 5. God factored them all in when he chose to save you, forgive you and call you son. Ephesians 3, 1 and 5. Ephesians 1 rather 3 to 5. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Verse 4, just as, look at this, just as he, God, chose us in Christ. Did you see that? Just as God chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world, that we, see, see what he chose us, election, that we should be holy and without blame before him, 
in law, before the Garden of Eden, the game plans, the game plans, the game plan was that I'll be holy and without blame. So that's why even what the serpent did in the garden didn't spoil anything. It didn't spoil nothing. See verse 5. Having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will. Keep going. To the praise of the glory of his grace by which he made us accepted in the beloved. That was the plan. God, there's no way he chose me before I manifested that he did not factor everything about my manifestation in his chosen. How can you choose me? You that could see the entire existence before the foundation of the world. And then you saw that I would be chosen in Christ. And because you chose me in Christ, you chose me for adoption as sons, that I would be holy and blameless. Then you factored everything that could have been an indice in that plan. That includes my sins. So when John announces, behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world, this is what he's talking about. He chose you, saved you, forgave you, and called you. Son, why? Like you heard the lady say, that's what he always wanted. Many sons. Romans 8, 29. You see again the, the, the doctrine of election predestination play out there as well. Romans 8, 29, for whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son so that Christ might be the firstborn among many brethren. This highlights the adoption element of our salvation, right? Upon which the eternal security heavily relies. If our works were not a factor in our salvation, they are certainly not a factor in our preservation. If our works were not a factor in our salvation, they are certainly not a factor in our preservation. But you were adopted in spite of you. Come to terms with it. Your adoption had nothing to do with you. It wasn't. Somebody walks into an orphanage and just looks at the kid and looks at the kids and looks at the kids and speaks one. He doesn't sign a probationary note. Now, if this child is not working, I return it in 14 days. And then takes the child home and then doesn't feed the child so well because he's still waiting for the child to manifest and become a son. I judge that familiar spirit that is peddling that message that discolors the cross. If you who are evil know how to give good gifts, you now come and preach that God saved you. And then you now have to become in the sense of you now have to manifest that you are worthy of the sonship. Before God can now say you are a son. That is, that is as antichrist as antichrist comes. Because think about it in a natural sense. You give birth to you. Say, I'm, I'm watching you first. Let me see if when you are crying, if I, if I tell you, stop crying baby. You will stop. I will know that. You're my daughter. Then I can feed you. I know. If, I, if you want to win, and I tell you, don't win now. Or now, you know boys that are up shooters. 
Have you changed a baby boy before? You put them on a on a changing table or something. And as soon as you just go, <laughs> fountain. They upshooters. And you now say, this child does not have, you will, I will not feed you. You're not manifesting sonship. So you bring that child home and you refuse to feed the child because you're waiting for the child to perform. Waiting for the child to first grow and know that there is son. You are not adopted on probation. I told you that salvation, the guy that gave it, doesn't accept returns, doesn't accept refunds. Salvation is a package given at owner's risk. He saw your mess. He saw you misbehaving. He saw you kicking a force like those kids in the movie. They were not trying to impress the parents. He saw you at your worst. He loved you at his best. You were adopted in spite of you. Deal with it. Don't try to look good. And don't try to hide the bad part of you from God. So if you want to pray, go and dress up. Go and dress up. Let God not see you naked. God will, God will be embarrassed. So God cannot look at you naked. No, no. How can you? That's disrespectful. Something that's dividing bone and marrow. Dividing spirit and soul. You have not understood the reality of God yet. David, 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 Psalm 139. Where can I go from your presence? He said, if I make my bed in hell, you are dead. God, let me, let, me, let, me, let me look presentable. You think it's your boyfriend that's knocking at the door? All the while you were carrying him, you didn't realize he was inside you until you want to pray. When you went to misbehave off your clothes, he was inside you. You carried him there. He didn't leave you. He never leaves. Never runs out on me. That's the kind of love that has found me. He never gives up on me. That's the kind of love that you can't run. You carry him. He saw all your mess. I used to do a TV series called Worship Nugget. And I did, a, I did a particular nugget called No Makeup Please. No Makeup Please. We come to, to, our, to worship and we put all, you know, all the makeup on and you put all the mascara and everything. And somehow it has clouded the way you come to God. You think God sees you with the makeup on. You think God sees you as you are dressed. He don't see no clothes. He sees straight to your heart. So it pays to be real. Do you understand what I'm saying? Wear a bra that is your size. Wear panties that are your size. Wear trousers that are your size. Don't wear extra things inside to try and boost yourself up. You are only deceiving yourself. Wear what is your size. Look yourself because he sees you in spite of you. Genesis 16, Hagar said, Ah, I have seen the one who sees me. She called the place Lahai Roy. Bear the well of the one who sees me. He sees you. Flabby tummy, he sees. Spare tire, he sees. One park, he sees. Big boobs, he sees. Little boobs, he sees. It doesn't make no difference. Oh, no other preacher is going to say it. I'm going to say it to you. I'm not afraid of you. 
carry yourself as yourself. Because he sees you as yourself. Not as you made yourself. Not as you presented yourself. Not as you want us to see you. Or not even as you want him to see you. He tells Jeremiah, before I formed you. What are you trying to impress? Tell your neighbor, no makeup, please. You were adopted in spite of yourself. You were adopted in spite of yourself. You were adopted in spite of yourself. There's nothing about you or where you are that can change the makeup of your adoption. He didn't consider it. He didn't consider your size. He didn't consider how your complexion. He didn't consider your village where you came from. All of that doesn't matter. Your citizenship, Philippians 3.20, is in heaven. From which we also expect a creator. Our expectation, our sights are set on heaven. Philippians 3.20. That's where our citizenship is from. That's what binds us together. For our cities, can you see that? Our citizenship is where? From which we also expect, eagerly await for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. He sees you as you are. He sees you as you are. Is this helping anybody? He adopted you in spite of you. You think he didn't know that Moses would stammer when he came and chose him? Moses now started trying to instruct the Lord on how the Lord's choice of a servant is ill-informed. Because God be no no, say Moses, they stammer. Let's put it the worry way. God no be no. You know, worry pigeon is amplified version. Can you imagine? So, in case God missed it. Hello, I'm a stammerer. You think God didn't know? He knows all things. He sees all things. He saw all of you from the beginning and still chose you. So, to lose your salvation or for it to be temporal and not eternal, God will have to unadopt you. Because the whole salvation plan is hinged on the fact that he adopted you. So to lose your salvation or for it to be temporal, God will have to unadopt you. And then when you are sure that God is no longer angry with you, you can now readopt yourself. Does that even make sense? Because you cannot readopt yourself. If you can be successfully unadopted, you can't readopt yourself. And if it's, if, it's, if it's possible for you to unadopt yourself or for God to unadopt you, then it messes up everything about our faith. If our eternal security is thrown away, is jeopardized, there's no point believing. If, it's, if, I'm, if I'm only temporarily saved, I might as well be permanently unsaved. Yes. Yes, sir. Yes. Until. Yes. Do you understand? Just chill. Live my life to the max. Which is why a lot of unbelievers don't want to repent. They know that they're living the wrong life. But your God kills people instantly. When you are not a sinner, you can stay alive and do whatever you like. God will do anything to you. But the moment you become born again and you do one wrong thing, God will jam you. Now you have entered the cycle of God where God can kill you. But when you are not a believer, you are not in this, God cannot touch you. You belong to the devil. 
But the moment you got born again, you now enter the circle of God. God is not a sin, let me see. Commit one, I'll be waiting for you. Commit one sin and see one. One. I will show you what gods are made of. I'm waiting for you. So that's the version of God that you have sold to them. The God that cannot, cannot touch them until they come to him. Once they come to him, he cannot preserve them. He kills them for going wrong. So the unbeliever says, like, let, me, let, me, let me enjoy, let me make money first. Let me enjoy first. Let me drink first. Let me, I can come to your God later. Because it's your God, is one chance. So enter. He is one chance, but not the way we have sold him. I repeat, he is one chance. Just not the way we have sold him. You enter him, you're not going out of him. You enter, you, oh my God. You accept salvation, you cannot unaccept it. You enter God's car, that's it. You have entered. He will chase you down the ends of the earth, loving you until he presents you to the Father. He's not looking for you to kill. If you believe, well, then God is not omniscient as he claims. If he was, why would he choose to adopt someone he knew he could not retain? If you believe you can lose your salvation. Why would God choose? I mean, he would have just looked and gone, ah, Caleb. Caleb will give me problem in this kingdom. So since I'm the one that is omniscient and can choose election, Abi, let me, let me skip Caleb and choose only the people that will not give me any stress at all. Even wife, you don't marry like that. You never know until you know. By the time you know, you have already known. You're not going anywhere. You have to deal with it. You don't quite know. Sleeping patterns, when they fart, what causes them to fart. Oh yeah, see, until you are in that place, you're not yet naked and not ashamed. In your relationship, until you are, you are, you are in a relationship with someone, you have never smelled the person's mess. You don't know them. You don't know them. They don't know you. One day you remember, Pav says. You remember. The first day you smell it, you're like, Jesus. Do you, do you know how you know you're married? Do you know how you know you're married? Should I tell you how you know you're married? One person is doing a dump. The other person is brushing their teeth. In the same toilet. Not, not, not doing a dump, like fancy dump. You know? You know those? Ogbono, Afang, ice cream, shawarma. Four days, the belly was shut down. On the fifth day, it opens. You're like, Lord God Almighty. That's the day you know. You get married, you're first sharing towel. After a while, it just doesn't matter anymore. After a while, toothbrushes don't matter anymore. It's just, you just know, okay, here we are. Here we are. So God could have just looked and gone, mm, nah, this one will stress me. Skip, 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 skip. Just pick the ones that will not stress me. Then what God was doing was trying to save us without doing any work. Yeah. She have just left us to be self-righteous. Mm-hmm. Don't pick anybody and leave anybody. Just leave us. How can you ever really put all your trust in a father that can unadopt or disown you anytime he's mad about something wrong you did? How can you ever really put all your trust in a heavenly father 
that can unadopt or disown you. Anytime he's mad about something wrong you did, that introduces a major insecurity issue. Imagine a rejected stepchild. Some of you know how that feels. You know how that feels to be passed over or being the middle child or being the child of, of strife. Most of them deal with insecurity. You realize that? Most of them. This also means, and we talked about this during the series, that man can totally alter the plan of God. It means if, if, if only you can mess with God's plan so much as to make him a liar to cause him to lose you, then imagine what that famous antichrist will do with the power that he gets when he gets it. Only you like this, only you like this, can scatter all the plan and will of God from eternity. Imagine when that Antichrist then comes and now has power to rule the earth. There'll be no God anymore left. So you're not, you're not that strong enough. This also means, I'm addressing the argument right now, yeah? This also means that God's nature means that he cannot handle certain types of children. You know, one of my favorite phrases is that God has different kinds of children. I say that all the time. That's why I put up with some of you. I always say that when I'm like, ah, man, God has different types of children. But his nature means that he cannot handle certain types of children. He's not God enough. Because if you can lose your salvation, then your acceptance into God's family is conditional and not permanent. You understand that? If you can lose your salvation, then your acceptance is conditional based on your performance. It's not permanent. And there's no such suggestion in the New Testament. Not once are we threatened with disowning by God. I repeat, not once are we threatened with disowning by God. Thank God for the kind of God that he is. Let's wrap this up. So the seed of God is incorruptible. It cannot be corrupted by anything and not even sin. It cannot be corrupted by sin. Something that dealt with sin, took sin away, cannot be corrupted by it. Yeah? Sin exists in the physical and, this is important, sin exists in the physical and mental realm because he's taking it away. Sin exists in the physical and mental realm. Are you following me? Your salvation does not exist in the physical and mental realm. Sin is not spiritual. He's removed it. Sin is physical and mental. Your salvation is not physical or mental. Your salvation is spiritual. And that which is spirit is spirit. So your flesh ain't got nothing on your salvation. You have to learn to behave right. You will learn, You need to learn to talk right. You will need to learn. Have you seen some first ladies that don't understand how a first lady should be? You know one, eh? personally. They don't understand what it means to be a first lady. They don't understand what it means to be a prince. They don't understand what it means to be a princess. You are just stumbling around that first channel. You are just trying to make sense of what's going on until eventually you settle into it. But on that May 29th, when governor and president were sworn in, instantly you became first lady, whether you saw it, acknowledged it, understood it or not. You had to learn to behave like one. You had to learn that you can't just get up and enter your car and drive. Six cars will follow you. Does that make sense? So your behavior of a necessity will be changed as you progress in the earth. Of a necessity. It will change because that's physical. 
Your mind will be renewed. That's mental. But your salvation is secured. That's spiritual. Do you understand? Your salvation is not in the realm of your mind. Your salvation is not in the realm of the flesh. So they ain't got nothing on your salvation. So while sin is not a factor, we cannot continue in it simply because we no longer have the sin nature. We are dead to sin. Somebody say we are dead to sin. Romans chapter 6, 1 and 2. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin because that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? See verse 11. Likewise you also reckon yourselves to be dead to sin. Because to be alive to Christ is to be dead to sin. Does that make sense? So we are dead to sin. The desire to sin dies because its nature is removed. Does that make sense? Listen to this statement very carefully. Look up. The sins committed by a believer does not make him a sinner any more than the wrongs committed does not make you less of a son of your father. The sins committed by a believer does not make you less a believer any more than the wrong you did makes you less a son of your father. How many of you have never offended your earthly father in this life? How many of you have been a problem child to your father? How many of you, if we now call student union government of problem child, you win president? No contest. Supreme court, I will win. Election tribunal, I will win. I don't have any state's constituents winning the emir who will still win. I don't have to rig it. I don't have to rig it. But, I, but last time I checked, I'm still the son of my father. Whether he likes it or not. He can disfather me, disown me, disown me, whatever, as many times as he likes. I'm still the son of my father. The DNA will confirm that he's my pop You are not my son. Story. As long as I'm, there's this physical blood. Forget it. Change your local government and state 15 times. In the same vein, all the good things that an unbeliever does can never make him a believer. How can then one bad thing you did or two or three or 16 that make you an unbeliever? If you can misbehave out of salvation, then the other guys is supposed to be able to behave into salvation. What is good for the goose, pastor, is good for the gander. If I can misbehave out of salvation, why do we need Jesus? Just be nice and good and be pious and be nice. Pay your tithe like the Pharisees and be all nice and, and just behave your way into salvation. But you cannot imply that I can misbehave my way out of salvation and not subscribe to the fact that I can behave my way into it. Just as by one man, so also one man. But do you understand? So, I'm a son of God. I messed up. My mess up cannot undo my sonship. Just like I am not a son of God. I did very nice things. It cannot make me a son. And it, because it sounds heavy, we don't want to say it. And we don't want to say it because some sons of God don't have the capacity to handle it. But it's better that you know it and grow into it. Always is a dress, such as a dress that is so big. No, no, no. My salvation is not a function of behavior. 
My sin nature was not a function of behavior either. Adam sinned, so I was arrived a sinner. I, no matter how much good I did, I was a sinner from birth because Adam sinned. Christ came and was righteous and I became born again. It's also not my good things. It's his good thing. It was Adam's bad thing. It was Adam's good thing. This first Adam, bad, everybody comes from him, no matter how good they are, bad. This Adam, good. Everybody that comes from him, including the bad things they did, good. Or else we will not need a propitiation. Constantly enforcing us before the Father. <laughs> Do you get it? It's exciting. Tell anybody you are adopted in spite of you. Fellowship may be lost momentarily, but relationship stays intact. The lost son, prodigal son, at the point he was away, he was not in touch with his father. But he was not a, less a son. Uh, do you understand? Fellowship may be affected temporarily. You're, you might be estranged or estranged from your father, but relationship is not affected. And the moment you come to the realization, hey, I've allowed this thing to affect my, my fellowship right there. Fellowship is restored. Because the father never goes anywhere. Most times it's us that drift from him. Have you noticed? He never goes anywhere. It's you that drift. It's the son that left. The father didn't say, my friend, because you have now inherited me um, prematurely. Get out of my house. I cannot control you anymore. You have now grown wings. So now this house cannot contain the both of us. If God were an African, Hebrews 7.25, our salvation is forever. Hebrews 7.25, therefore he's also able to save to the uttermost. He's also able to save to the uttermost. He's also able to save. Give us energy. He's also able to save to the uttermost. Therefore he's also able once and forever to save those who come to God through him. He's also able to save once and forever. A message. Therefore, he's able to save to the uttermost. So, to save everyone who comes to God through him, always on the job to speak up for them. Amplified, amplified. 725 of Hebrews. Therefore, he's able also to save forever, completely, perfectly. For eternity. Those who come to God through him. How? Since he always lives to intercede and intervene on their behalf with God. Somebody give him a shout. For eternity. All this is guaranteed by the presence and ministry of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer. He's our seal. Ephesians 1, 13 and 14. A seal speaks of security, of authentication. A seal speaks of preservation. The believer who has received salvation is sealed. Sealed with the Holy Spirit. The Father's guarantee. The Father's pledge. 
What is that pledge? And this is the end of it. What is the pledge that God is pledging? What guarantee meaning what? That he's able to finish what he started. That is the pledge about the eternal security of the believer. God saved me, deposited the Holy Spirit to remind me always one, and to remind himself that this project, I am bound to finish it. 1 Thessalonians 5, 23 and 24. It just dropped in my spirit, I think. First Thessalonians 5, I think it's 24 and 8, but 23. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit, soul, and body be what? Preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. See verse 24. He who calls you is faithful who also will do it. He also will do it. Yes, Tell anybody he also will do it. So the Holy Spirit is God's pledge that he will finish what he started. He didn't start it for you to finish it. Yes. Philippians 1.6. Tell anybody he didn't start it for you to finish it. Yes. Philippians 1.6. Philippians 1.6. Being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians 1 and 8. You see how consistent scripture is about this. 1 Corinthians 1 and 8. Who will also confirm you till the end? Matilaga. That you may be blameless in the day of the Lord Jesus Christ. Put it up in the message. Put it up in the message. Verse 8, verse 8, verse 8. Stay there in verse 8. And not only that. But God himself is right alongside to keep you steady and on track until things are all wrapped up by Jesus. Can you see that? Ephesians 4.30. You see the consistency in Paul's teachings. Ephesians 4 and 30. I'm almost done with this. Don't grieve God. Don't break his heart. His Holy Spirit moving and breathing in you is the most intimate part of your life making you fit. Self. Put up in, 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 in the NLT. NLT. And don't bring solo on God's whole Holy Spirit by who, the way you live. Remember, he has identified you as his own. Guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. Samuel, do you understand what guarantee is? It is wicked to propagate the gospel. That excludes the eternal security of the believer. It's weak. The people that do, are doing, they know what they are doing. It's not ignorance. It's wickedness. Because like I said, it's how they keep a hold on people. There's nothing that controls the people like fear. Nothing. There's nothing that controls, keeps the people in check like fear. It's, it's wicked. Hebrews 9.28. Hebrews 9.28. Hebrews 9.28. So also, Christ was offered once for all times as a sacrifice to take away the sins of many people. He will come again. Not to deal with sin. But to bring salvation to all who are eagerly waiting for him. 
eagerly. We're not afraid. You are not sons of the darkness that this day shall overtake you. You are sons of light. I'm coming to deal with sin. Oh, sorry. You trust King James? Put it up on the screen. Christ was offered once to bear the sins. King Jimmy, KJV. So Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many and unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin. It's no sin in the factor. Salvation is not exactly complete until we put off the physical body and take on the immortal body. That's what the guarantee is all about. God's work of salvation is finished and yet it is ongoing. If he didn't need us to begin it, he doesn't need us to finish it. If he didn't need us to begin it, he doesn't need us to finish it. So the writer of Hebrews starts to end his letter with these words in Hebrews 10, 22 and 23. Hebrews 10. Let us then draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he promised is faithful. To conclude, what did the blood of Jesus not pay for? Because for anything to escape the salvation of God is to suggest that there is a depth of human depravity to which the sacrifice of Christ did not reach. To, for anything to escape the salvation of God, it is to suggest that there was, there's a level of human wickedness that is too deep for the blood. Is the blood enough? Is the blood enough? Is the blood enough? Then I am saved? Me, I am saved? And it is forever. Because whatever the Lord does, Last, how about drifting away now? Those who drift away. Hebrews 2, right? The chastisement for drifting away. Let me show you Hebrews 2 and 2. Hebrews 2, give me five minutes. Hebrews 2, 2. This is worth your time. For if the word spoken through angels proved steadfast and every transgression and disobedience received a just reward, how shall we escape? He's talking about punishment for disobedience in the earth. Verse 2. NLT. For the message God delivered through angels. What is that message? What's that message? The law now, no? Yeah, it was mediated through angels, given through Moses, right? Has always stood firm. And every violation of what? And every act of disobedience was punished. Go to three. So what makes us think we can, we can escape if we ignore this great salvation that was first announced? What's that referring to? Losing your salvation or paying consequence on earth for neglecting the salvation. Consequence. Because it highlights the example of the law. Context. It highlights the example of the law. Punished. If we now come and get salvation, you don't do something will happen to you. Which is the which is what me and Nam Pav, I'm telling you. 
Now, if you don't handle salvation and maximize it, something will happen to you. It's not God. You will die early. It wasn't God that killed you. It wasn't judgment. You just misbehaved. Do you understand what I'm saying? You just misbehaved. It does not, does not suggest the loss of salvation. Does that make sense? Salvation was not gotten by keeping the law. So why would the writer be drawing a parallel of eternal salvation and law if salvation did not come by law? But you're speaking to Jews that understood what it means to be punished for breaking an, a law. And says, so don't think that if you treat salvation lightly, there'll be no consequences. Because there are consequences. Yeah. yeah. People are running and people are being shot and you stand there saying, me, I want to, they will shoot you. And you will bleed. Does that make sense? Salvation was not gotten by keeping the law. It cannot be lost by breaking the law. Hebrews 12. How about falling away? Hebrews 12 talks about the discipline, right? God chastising his. That's also discipline. You did something wrong. Your father loves you, but he will punish you. Not punish you to condemn you or to judge you, but chastise you in love to straighten you out. Does that make sense? Same thing, Hebrews 6, falling away, 4 to 6. To fall away, to turn their backs on Christ. I have to teach about this again. I have to. Because it's not stuff to be rushed. Hebrews 6, 4 to 6. You understand context of young. For it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted the heavenly gift and have become partakers of the Holy Spirit and have tasted the good word of God and the power of the age to come. Have you seen these things that have been mentioned? If they fall away, to renew them again to repentance, not to salvation. Since they crucify again for themselves the Son of God and put him to open shame. People have argued that this is not referring to believers. That's the difficult, it's one of the most difficult texts in scripture to interpret. But it's actually very easy. Because if you go back to verse 4, it says, those who were once enlightened have tasted the heavenly gift, uh -huh, have become partakers of the Holy Spirit, keep going, and have tasted the good word of God and the powers. My brother, this is a believer. Do you agree? This cannot be an unbeliever. But it says that if they turn away, if these guys don't go up and go, well, you know what? I'm not doing this Jesus thing anymore. It's hard to convince such a person who has tasted everything to change his mind. Repentance. You renew them again to what? Metanoia. Change of mind. Not to renew them to salvation as though they left it. The writer focuses on repentance. How do you preach? To, I wrote it. How do you preach to a walking Bible who has abandoned the faith to change their mind? It's hard. Imagine that Paul See, I'm not doing it again. Okay, let's use, let's use someone that is alive. Imagine Pav. Yes. Pav. Pav. This thing's not working for me. 
Am I saved? Yes, I'm still saved. Will you struggle to change my mind? You will struggle. Will you succeed? You may not. Am I lost? I'm not. Useless in the earth? Perhaps. Blown my purpose in the earth? Absolutely. Lost in the eyes of the Father? No way. Because the guarantee is that this salvation is complete at the day of redemption. So the Father is losing no one. He didn't give condition for the type that he will lose and the type that he will not lose. He promised. And faithful is he who has called us who would do it. He said, I'm losing no one. Please, I announce to you in this house and all over the world watching, uh, you may think that you can lose yours or the Father can lose you. But I announce to you and you and you and you and you that you cannot be lost. Not because Pav said so, but because he, the person who can keep or lose, said he can keep and cannot lose. Give him praise tonight. Is that, is, that, is that good news? I cannot be lost. I cannot be lost. I cannot be lost. I am saved and it is forever. Hallelujah. This concludes this message. Thank you for listening and we hope it has been a blessing to you. For inquiries and further information, please send us an email to info at the or visit our social media platforms.